With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Well, last week, guys, we were discussing the up-and-coming games against um, Burnley and Inter Milan, and we were saying how they're both tricky in their own way. Um, and we just want to get two victories. We both predicted two tight games and we were both right. Um, but at the end of the day, we got two victories, two clean sheets. And we've got, you know, half a foot in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And we overcome a really tough, difficult fixture. Um, Burnley like the new Stoke, so to say. But um, yeah, we're going to discuss these and we're obviously going to preview the Norwich and Leeds games coming up. And then obviously getting um, ready in preparation for the big cup final next weekend. But in the meantime, how are you going, Danny? How's it been? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. It's been a busy week this week. Um, somehow I have managed to break both of my cars in a week. Um, so both of my cars are both broke down. So you can imagine there'll be people listening here who are from Liverpool going, so what? That Those types of things happen. Uh, but that's because you live in a big city where there's good transport. You don't live in the middle of nowhere where the only thing you can do is ride a frigging sheep to work. Um, so... <laughs> Both my cars have broke down, both different problems. Um, so, yeah, been trying to basically, like, I've been working from home this week, which has been a little bit handy, um, especially with the kids being on half-term. And then, apart from that, I've been trying to just bum lifts to work. So, big shout-out to Lucy, who I work with. She uh, came all the way out to the middle of nowhere this morning to come pick me up for work and give me a lift home afterwards and all. So, well played. So, I like... Um, so, yeah, it's been a little bit mental, but a little bit all right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awful whenever something like that happens. Um, I'm only a recent driver myself, so... I uh, I'm still in a kind of what 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 you call the lovely dovey phase of driving where I just any excuse to drive I can't wait but yeah I'm sure it'll wear thin but um just a, a shout out to any sheep that may be offended there we we don't we, <laughs> we, we don't mind sheep we don't mind sheep <laughs> over in the island of Ireland and good luck to them but yeah I know what that's like um and yeah but working from home has advantages and um, obviously um, being around the kids is just the the the, the biggest pile of joy that anyone could ever wish for. And, uh, you know, it kills us to come on this podcast for now and get away from them, doesn't it, Danny? But there you go. <laughs> hard, hard work. It, it makes me cry just thinking yeah. about not having to put them to bed. And I've had a conversation. You know, it's, it's so it's so so hard. Well, I had a conversation about silly boys to kick a ball. But yeah, there you go. And um, <laughs> in, in, in other words, there we go. Back to the Burnley game. Um, it was a windy, horrible game. It was a horrible fixture. It's a way Burnley bottom of the league. Like, Liverpool couldn't win this game even if they won the game. And do you get what I'm trying to say about that? Like, we expected to win, and if we did anything but win, 
Um, we were going to get some kind of criticism, and you you know the you know Everton fans and Manchester United fans and any fan that doesn't support Liverpool was sitting there waiting to for Burnley to beat Liverpool, and I was petrified. Danny, it was you? You know, it was one of those horrible fi- hor- horrible fixes, isn't it? We said about it on last week's pod, didn't we? That Burnley are a hard team because they they play physical and they just sit in two bags of four, and that is exactly what they've done. They lined up in a four-four-two, very defensively, and just wanted us to come at them. I think it shows it when you look at the stats for the match. We we had over twice as many passes as them. Uh, our possession was far greater than theirs, and we basically just played in their half the entire match, just trying to break them down. We discussed the logistics of it last week, didn't we? Of sort of how are we going to do it? Do we need someone that's going to unlock that door? Um, was sort of Diaz going to be the man to do that? Um, and we were discussing all these different things. And basically that's what it came down to, is it just we kept pressing and we kept pressing and we kept pressing. And it just happened that Fabino is on absolute form at the minute, scoring goals and it was basically something out of nothing that it managed to creep through and he managed to get it in. So, and that's, that's all it was, was just, it was, it was as much as you want to say, like, I'm glad we won and it's keeping us in the title race and we played great football. I think to a certain extent we got lucky in terms of the goal because, because it, it had nil nil written all over it. And they had chances, didn't they? You, you, you big Dutch striker up front, I can't think of his name, but it was a couple of times he got through and Alisson made good save. And it was a scrappy goal for being here, wasn't it? I think it's one of those um, goals where, you know, you just got to be in the right place at the right time and you, you take them and, it, you know, it won't be in the highlight reels. It won't be in the replays. It won't be in the DVDs. It'll just be like 1-0 Fabinho, move on. You know, and it, it's literally, it's horrible to say, but it's just a game that, you, you know, you have if you want to win a league, you want to be in the Champions League, you, you know, you just got to find a way of winning. Um, you know, if it was a return of money, he did very little. Um, Salah, again, unlucky to score, but he didn't. Um, and it, yeah, Henderson, they had a shocker. Um, and a lot of people call him to actually be dropped into the Inter Milan game. So what I'm going to do is, because I say there's very little you can discuss in that Burnley game, apart from the job was done. I'm going to go straight onto the Inter Milan game, Danny. Um, you know, this is... The type of fixture, and we discussed it last week and we've discussed it on previous pods, this is the type of fixture that European football is about. You know, you, you see all the build-up podcasts and previews of people in Italy and going on about the San Siro, the way it's only got a couple more years before it's being knocked down and they moved to a new stadium and the history involved and it was years ago since Liverpool played there and, you know, it's one of those fixtures that's just ingrained in European history. So, and and let, let, let's not beat about the bush. Inter Milan, a, a good, decent side. And um, it was, first and foremost, and everyone listens to this podcast, I'm sure, have watched the game. It was a horrible game of football. We played awful, didn't we, Danny? Do you know what? Like, it was, and it's easy to say, I think, that we played awful. And I think to a certain extent we did. But at the same time, I think there's got to be credit due to Inter Milan. They set themselves up. The first 20 minutes we were coming at them, we looked like we had chances and we looked like we were going through the gears quite well. And I think... Inter Milan kind of felt us out. They'd done that typical Italian football that they felt us out, they seen what we were all about, and then they started to make their move. Like, for anyone that watches Italian football regularly, that's one of the things, is that the first 20, 25 minutes of Italian football matches are boring, because generally they are just sort of feeling each other out. It's like that first round in boxing, where you see boys and they're just basically just circling around the ring, just getting a feel for where the jab is. And for me, that's what Inter Milan's on. They allowed us to come at them. They felt that they had enough in terms of their 
defenders in terms of having Stefan de Vrij there and Bastoni, uh, who is normally, as they said, a quick winger that would try and get up the line. He, he just sat back along with Vidal and Chinoglu and, and boys like that, and they just soaked it up for 20, 25 minutes, and then they started to make moves. And I think Liverpool maybe weren't expecting it. I think we maybe we got into a rhythm of we're going to sit on the halfway line and we're just going to keep going at them. And then suddenly Inter Milan came at us and it, it became an end-to-end game, didn't it? One minute Liverpool were up their end, we had two or three chances, and the next minute they were down our end and they were attacking us and you didn't quite know what was going on. Yeah, again, it was just a horrible game to watch. And, you know, as the time went on, you could just see it being more, more frustrating. And, you know, I actually went to the bar to watch it, which has been a while since I've done that. And uh, you could just see the tension, you know, kind of building in the um, in the bar. And people were just going, "Oh, it's going to be one of those nights." And you know, there was a lot of comments about the away goal rule, actually, um, which I agree. You know, it was a two a two nil victory. Inter Milan's a fantastic victory, yeah. and a, a lot of talk about you know we've, we've beat the Spanish champions and we've beat the Italian champions now um, in the Champions League, and we're actually that's seven games unbeaten, which is just actually unbelievable when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a horrible game. And um, even though it's a 2-0 victory, um, it, it, it doesn't have that as, as strong emphasis because of the away goals rule. Obviously, coming back to Anfield, even if they were you know one or two up, you'd still fancy Liverpool. But So, you know, Liverpool have got a foot in it in the next round. But without the away goals rule, it's just not the same. But I think for me, Danny, the changing point was the triple change. Um, I don't know if Jota was injured at half-time, so Firmino come on. And I, I thought the game was missing Firmino either because... You know, I could never turn around and say drop Jota, but I was having a bit of a like kind of friendly debate with people about you know bringing Firmino on because I just thought he's the type of boy that could unlock the door in one of those horrible tight games, which it, which is what it was. Um, so obviously he come on for Jota. I don't know what the the reason was behind that. Maybe he was just giving Jota a rest. I don't know. But then Hendo coming on, um, tighter, and Diaz in particular, I think changed that game. Um, and there was a lot of talk about Mane as well, Danny. So you know, I know you're a huge fan of Mane and what he's done for the football club. Is um is almost second to none apart from probably Salah, um so he's a legend no matter what happens. But coming back from the African Cup of Nations on a high, um he, it, it would be fair to say that over the last six months he hasn't really been on fire, has he? And maybe Diaz coming in fresh and looking to take his place, it could give Manny a bit of a you know, I'll say it, a bit of a push up the arse, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree. And to be fair, Diaz came on and played really, really well. I was expecting Mane to come out flying and to be trying to just take on boys and, and going at them. Uh, doing basically what he has done when he came on is that he's not scared to just attack defenders and go at them. Uh, and that's the Mane that we've had over the last five, six years has, has been that Mane that will just go at boys and create chances and do something different. Um, but but I don't know what's going on in the fact that he's just not doing that anymore. He's playing a safe game, and it feels to me like they've almost got into too much of a rhythm, that he has got too used to getting that ball on that left-hand side and waiting for Robertson to cross him over and, and waiting to play that ball out so Robertson can whip the ball in. Whether that's something he's told to do in training, I don't know. But for me, the Mane that we loved was the Mane that got the ball, and every time he did, you always felt that something was going to happen. And I feel unless Robertson is making that run for him to lay that ball off to him down in the left-hand corner, you're not getting much out of Mane at the minute. And and it's it's sad to say, because as you said, he's been such a great servant for the club over the years. Um, but for me, on current form, the way things are going, I, I think many I, there wouldn't be many people that would argue with me saying that Diaz should be starting over him, because Diaz at the minute is flying. 
well, that's the thing. It'll be a good competition. And maybe if, you know, Diaz gets a shout above money, maybe he'll get that anger and fire back in his belly because he's just not been on it. But maybe, you know, he's been at the African Cup of Nations, maybe he needs a few games. And even, I said this again in the bar last night, you know, even a man at 50% is still better than most. So, um, you know, we don't want to go too harsh on criticising him. There was the same kind of comments made about Firmino last year with Jota and stuff. But at the end of the day, I think in your big games, you know, if you if you play in a European Cup final tomorrow, for me, it's still Salah, Firmino, and, and Bobby. Uh, sorry, Bobby, um, Manny, and Salah. That's that's what I'm going to know the, the front three. But let's discuss the goals. Um, good header from Firmino, and then you know a bit of a scrappy one by Salah. Um, but you know, it's it, it, good goals in their own right from corners, um, and it's just a solid two 0 victory in Europe, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, yeah. I think the goals are never going to be something that that we rave about. I thought Firmino's was a good goal. Um, good, well worked. You can tell it was an off-the-training-ground one, ran through onto that front post, flicked it on. Um, yeah, Salah's one was just an opportune moment, just stick the leg in and just take the shot. Um, I was I was probably like most people who were listening to this podcast, was just screaming at my TV for Canate not to touch that ball because you could see Salah run in yeah. and he almost looked like he was going to block it. And you were like, move out of the way. <laughs> And he, he just got out of the way on time for Salah to hit it. Um, and yeah, just sort of had to keep it wrong-footed. So it worked well. But I think going back to last week's podcast on what we were talking about, one of the things that separated that game, which we haven't been able to say for a very long time as a Liverpool fan, is the fact that, in my opinion, we had a far stronger bench than they did. And we were able to bring on players that impacted the game far more than what Inter Milan did. Inter Milan brought on uh, Darmian. Like, Darmian's rubbish. Like, let's be honest. He, he couldn't yeah. cut it at United. He's on the... Sanchez. Milan. He brought on Sanchez, 50. who's arguably past, well past his prime now. Um, that's not to say that they're not good players, but I think that we just had a far superior bench. And name for name, you, you sort of look at Alexis Sanchez in comparison to, like, a like a Bobby Firmino coming on, you'd argue career-wise that Sanchez has had a better career. But we had players that were able to impact the game far better, that were stronger in those positions. Uh, and and I don't think anyone would argue in saying that that's what won us the game. That was the turning yeah. point in the 60 well, minutes they all came on. You're bringing Jordan Henderson off the bench. You know, you, you're you taking Harvey Elliott off, which I don't think he had his best game for Liverpool. And he's very much in that vein of passing to Salah like what he started in the beginning of the season hmm. I think the one game he didn't play with Salah he just shot and he scored and I, every time Elliot gets the ball he's fantastic but it seems like he just looks for Salah so that's one to watch out for and you know obviously people let me know if they agree on it but it's what I'm seeing at the moment is Elliot's a fantastic player but he's trying to look for Salah but the fact that you can bring Jordan Henderson off club captain you know he's a Liverpool legend now on his own right off the bench Diaz who's just you know again what 39-40 million worth of you know a bench player, yeah. um, and then obviously Kaita as well, which is, I think this season's been Kaita's best season to be honest with you because he's had moments, hasn't he? Is it really has had moments where you know he's warranted why he's a Liverpool player? So the, the triple change changed the game, Klopp seen it, um, and yeah, we got a, a, a great victory away in Europe, you know, Italian champion. So it, long gone are the days where you, you know you're hoping to, to, to take a 1 0 defeat, you know, or maybe scrape a 1 0. We've comfortably won a two 0 after being poor. So, you know, bring on the second le- second leg at Anfield under the under the lights. Um, everyone everyone knows what those those nights are like. 
Um, but yeah, we've got a couple of weeks until that fixture, and we've got a cup final in between. Um, but in the next part of the podcast, we're going to um, preview the uh, Norwich uh, game and the um, rearranged lead game, uh, Leeds game. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back, everyone, to the second part of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, we have got two games coming up this week. Um, we've got tons of games coming up in this week coming, but obviously between now and the next podcast, uh, we are playing Norwich and we're also playing Leeds, both of them at home. Um, both of them games, really, that we need to win if we are to keep in contention with Man City. Leeds especially being our game in hand that will hopefully shorten that gap to six points between us and Manchester City, and we still have to play City coming up. But we're going to talk about Norwich first. Norwich arguably having a, an absolutely dire season at the minute. The sitting, how the sitting just in the relegation zone is beyond me. Um, but that's where they're sitting. Um, four points, out of, they need four points to get safe again. Um, battling there with Newcastle, generally haven't played that well. But won the, they lost the last game, but won the two previous games before that. So they have started picking up a little bit of momentum and gauging some sort of title well not sorry gauging some sort of relegation battle fight so how do you think the game's going to go if they maybe just had a little bit of a flash in the pan moment ammo or do you think this is them really trying to push and do you think they've got any chance of avoiding that relegation hey danny listen i am whether they're going to avoid relegation or not is Nah, for me they're going down the goners they're probably the only team that would guarantee going down i'd, I'd actually fancy Burnley to get out of it um, sooner than Norwich, to be honest. But yeah, okay, they've had a couple of fluky results, and Dean Smith's a good manager. I thought he got a, a short string of Villa, um, but that's football, isn't it? You know, Stevie G coming in, he kind of, you know, Villa kind of shortchanged Dean Smith, and he went to Norwich, who kind of shortchanged their manager that was there for years, and Stevie G kind of shortchanged Rangers, and that's just football. That's just the way it goes, and um, so I, I like him as a, as, a, as a manager. And I think he, you know, he's done a great job of, of Villa, and I think he's done an okay job at Norwich. But um, they just don't invest in, in good players. They what they tend to do is get good kind of League One Championship players, mm. you know, pay pay them mid, you know, mediocre wages, you know, keep keep them on long contracts, and, and they, they're a yo-yo team. It, it's sad to say, but they are, and I think the club have accepted that. You know, they're not like a Bournemouth of times gone by where they had a bit of ambition. Um, or say for argument's sake, like a lead, which we'll discuss in a wee while. They're just a yo-yo team, and anything but a comfortable victory for Liverpool, I'll be disappointed. You know, if you're beating Norwich one 0 at Anfield, um, it's it's a little bit embarrassing to be honest with you. Um, although again, it's just a muffling game, isn't it? You know, what's the point in talking about the game in hand against Leeds? You know, unless you're going to win, beat Norwich. Now, I think this week is an interesting one for Manchester City. They're playing Spurs at home. And Spurs have been awful recently. And Antonio Conte is a manager, I think. You know, he's one of those typical European managers that will want to get a result against City. And Costa have been so awful recently. I actually fancy Spurs to maybe get a point out of the City game. So if you think about it, we beat Norwich, say Spurs get a draw, and then we go, go, go on ahead and beat Leeds. You're talking four or five points, which is nothing really. And we've got City to play. So um, it's a very important week in the title race. Um, obviously, with the cup final coming up, you know, it's always in the back of mind that we've got a cup final and silverware to win. But yeah, 
the game ahead of us is Norwich. We we had a chance to rest the likes of Manny, um, come off for half an hour. Henderson only played half an hour. Um, the likes of Milner didn't really get a game. You know, these these fresh legs there for Liverpool. Hmm. And uh, what we should be doing is putting two or three past Norwich, and then uh, resting some players for Leeds. And um, but yeah, comfortable victory. Don't see Norwich being threatening. Don't even see even see them scoring. And uh, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for four 0 Liverpool because. It seems like a very common score against Norwich over the last like ten years, and um, it wouldn't be shocked if we just wiped them away. But again, uh, what do you think? Do you think it, it, it's a fixture that we should be worrying about, or am I right to be confident? No, I think you're right to be confident. I think the main players that they've always had, uh, the main players that you'd have been worried about, like the Timo Pukki and Todd Cantwell and boys like that, they just haven't been playing well. They haven't done well this season. The players that they were hoping would fire haven't fired at all. Plus, um, Campwell's away to Bournemouth in the Championship, just like you know. Exactly. So that shows the level because Campwell was someone who, when he was playing at Norwich, was tipped to be like top level Premier League player. And he just hasn't amounted to nothing. Timo Pukki, the same. First time they came into the Prem, he was flying. Uh, loads of people saying, we're surprised no one, like no big teams have picked him up and Norwich got relegated. And I think it's proved the point. And going on to that, as we talk about like players not getting picked up and, and the different things that go on on social media, obviously there were some big names in the footballing world at the end of last season. Um, obviously, like big Gav on the internet who's won two seasons with Football Manager and LFC for life, some guy that's never been to Anfield in his entire life. We're going on about the fact that Klopp is mental for not signing Kabach on a full-time contract. And yet he's coming here at Norwich and he has been shocking all season. Does that just show that that we maybe don't know as much about football as what we think we do? Um, That that people are shouting these things, but yet Klopp knows what he's doing. Well, at the end of the day, he's a 20-year-old defender that we brought in and we played him because we had to. And if Jürgen Klopp really wants to keep him, and this is no no, no offence to Kabak, if Klopp really wanted him, um, he would have got him. And it's just that simple. But, you know... Let's say for argument's sake, he is a half decent defender, which he didn't do the worst for Liverpool. But where are you fitting in? You know, you you know, Matip, Canate, you know, we haven't even mentioned Gomez, have we? Gomez has mm. barely played this season. And, um, yeah, you know, Nat Phillips went on loan there. Where, where, where are you? You know, young Reese Williams, you know, you forget about him. So, um, as as much as, you know, you, you want to wish him well, he has been awful. He has been dog, as they would say. And uh, solve knowledge. So to be fair, again, anything but a comfortable victory for Liverpool, I'll be very, very disappointed. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. As I said, they've had a few sort of all right results of late, um, and they've sort of been picking up a little bit that might give them a chance within that relegation battle. Like overall, I think for personally, I think Newcastle have maybe got a bit too much now, and um, they've got some good players on a good run, um, and yes. As I said, Norwich, what they beat Wolves in the previous round of the FA Cup to be able to play Liverpool in the next round, which we're going to talk about on the next pod. And as I said, they are scraping results, but I think you come up against a big team like Liverpool, uh, and I think they are going to blow. We're going to blow them away. I think Man City proved that that they were on a good little run of games. Norwich, and then they've come up against City and they smashed them four nil. And I would be similar. I would say it's probably going to be I'm going to go three nil Liverpool. I'd say. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one, but I, I don't see anything else other than a Liverpool win. And then going from that, we're then playing Leeds. Leeds is the rearranged fixture. Um, 
And we've, as I said, that's the sort of game in hand that we've got over City that can narrow that margin down to the six points. Leeds, again, having a very unstable season this season. How do you see this game going? Again, a couple of, couple of games at Anfield, so it'll be nice. We haven't got the players, haven't got the travelling involved. We've got a good squad that are all fit at the minute. How do you see that game going? Well, obviously, I think. Whatever team plays at the Norwich game, I think I see lots of changes in the Leeds game because you know we have the players, you know. And don't be shocked if you see the likes of maybe a Rigi and Chamberlain, and you know just before the cup final, um, Leeds different proposition to Norwich. Um, again, kind of like Burnley, you just want to get a victory. Um, Leeds are dangerous, um, a different type of dangerous to Burnley. You know, I've compared them, but completely different type of and dangerous. We've seen it when they come up, was it a year and a half ago? Um, when it was like the 4 3 vic, fi, uh, fixture, or I can't, it was a 3 2, maybe I can't remember. There was lots of goals. Leeds are the type of team that can put you under pressure. Uh, Daniel J, James, plenty of pace, you know, signed from United there. They've got um, Harrison again, who's you know, dangerous player. Uh, your boy in midfield, his, his name passes me, the Brazilian boy. Is it Rodrigo? Rafina, sorry, yeah. Um, he, he's just a baller, isn't he? He's actually just a baller. Um, and then, yeah, they're just a good outfit for playing football. But I don't think they do the, the, the work off the ball. I um, don't think they press as, as intense as Liverpool. I don't think they have as much quality as Liverpool. Um, I would consider Leeds as like a, you know, they win their home games, they stay in the league, and they can beat anyone on the day. But if, if Liverpool are, you know, in the second or third gear, um, and Leeds in second or third gear, you, you see a comfortable victory for Liverpool. But again, I think with the, you know, under the lights at Anfield, you know, during the week is, is, is a little bit of an advantage as well. Um, and again, if you ever talk about must-win games, this is a must, must, must-win game. Um, if you don't win your game in hand, what's it, why have we been talking about over the last month? What, what's the actual point? You have to win this game. Um, but again, for Leeds, it's a free hit, Danny. It's a complete free hit. So they can come to Anfield and they can do what they want and no one's expecting to win. Um, I do expect them to score. You know, I don't expect Norwich to score, but I do expect Leeds to score. So, um, if I was a better man, which I'm not, <coughs> I would say, uh, <laughs> I would say Liverpool to win and both teams to score. Regarding an actual score, I'm going to stand off because God only knows. Um, but yeah, and no, I do fancy us to win. Um, and I think the player to watch out for because he's on fire at the moment is Daniel James. But obviously, shout outs to um, your man in midfield, Rafinha there, and uh, Harrison, who's, who's, who's you know a bag of tricks. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. Uh, Leeds are always, as you said, they're a bit of an unknown entity because they change the formation so often and they've played so many different formations this season. You look at when they beat West Ham a couple of weeks ago, they were playing that 4-1-4-1 formation, sitting really tight, playing with Daniel James up top and playing around that midfield. They've got the wingers, as you said, in Rafinha and Jack Harrison to be able to really widen out a pitch and really do a lot. Will will that work against Liverpool? I don't know. Um, when they got beat by Everton, obviously, was it last week? Um, they decided to play with three at the back and they suffered for it massively. Yes, they've got good players that can hold the ball quite well. For all you boys from Northern Ireland, I'll give a shout out to Stuart Dallas, who obviously is a good player for them and you'll all be kicking off that we don't mention him. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but they've, got, they've got a good team. Um but can they do it against Liverpool? I don't think so. And I think the, the biggest problem will be against Liverpool is that we generally play 
with a flat four, obviously with, with Robertson and Trent really pushing up the field, that's going to stop Jack Harrison and Rafinha from pushing up as far as they normally do because they are having to track Trent and Robbo. Danny, can I just say, sorry to interrupt, yeah. I actually see the t- team being really changed with the cup final coming up. So I can see a game where you're probably playing, maybe Tim Escas, maybe Milner right back. Um, I'm going to predict it here now. I think the team is going to be completely changed. I don't see a starting 11 against Leeds that's anywhere near, say, what we played against since Melander. Um, what do you, do you think I'm right in what I'm saying, or do you just see Klopp going strong with Robinson and Arnold and stuff? It's hard to know because I think a lot of them have had a break over the last couple of weeks. So it's whether they want to. Klopp seems to be listening a lot to the players at the minute. You see Salah come back from um, the African Cup of Nations and he's straight into the squad because he's like, no, I want to play. Um, so I think a lot of it will come down to Klopp. But I think that will change a lot because, as you said, if he's playing uh, Tomescus at left back, if he maybe goes with Gomez at right back because Gomez is obviously capable of playing there, the, t- the two of them aren't going to do the same type of job. As, as Trent and Robbo. So that means it is going to give Harrison and Rafinha a chance to come at us a bit. But I do think that Leeds' main problem against teams like us and like Man City, like we can't forget that they, they got beat 7-0 by Man City just a couple of weeks ago. And a big part of that is because no matter what's going on, at the minute, they're only playing with one striker up top. They're only playing with Daniel James. And can Daniel James do it against... Virgil van Dijk and Matip? I don't think so. They've got the height on them, they've got the pace on them, and I don't think they've, they've got a chance of getting goals. So no matter how good they're going to be on the wings, I think they may struggle to get goals coming in. So as as much as we might change the team and it might give them a little bit of a chance pushing forward, I I think it's going to be... I'm going to, I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool, just because, only because... You've threw the spanner in the works there that we might be changing the team up. I think if we had a full strength team, I'd have been saying we're scoring three or four, no problem. Well, yeah, no, and as I say, you've kind of went for me. I, I think both teams to score and a, a Liverpool win. Mentioning Leeds now, and you mentioned like squads and stuff. Um, our ultimate player, we, we have to give a shout out. Um, midweek there, James Miller. He made 800. That's 800 um, club appearances, you know, over a career at Swindon. Um, Leeds, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Manchester City, and obviously now Liverpool. Um, and there's talk that he's going to get a contract extension for next season, which I completely, completely back. Um, he's made he's only made nine starts this season, and he's I think he's made I think nearly twenty other appearances, but most of them have been the sub. You know, Inter Milan being a prime example, come off the bench. Um, but when he when he started, it's not like he's not looked like he, he can do it because he still can. Let's just have a wee moment, Danny, to um you know to to, to appreciate the, the beauty that is James Milner and the grafter. You know, scouts listen to this will know what I'm saying. He's an absolute grafter, isn't he? Um what a player, what a guy. Um I think if we if we give him another season and then maybe try and keep him on as a coach to see if he can beat that Premier League record that he, he's after, um I think that would be a brilliant way to you know appreciate the legend that is James Milner. What do you think? Yeah, like he's been so good and I was trying to explain because my wife was sitting there um, last night in the second half. She came down to watch the game. Uh, well, she didn't come down to watch the game. She came down to just sit down and have a cup of tea but the game was <laughs> on and she had no choice. Um, and I was saying, they, they mentioned in commentary about how it's James Milner's 800th appearance and I was like, can you believe that? that like That's a ridiculous amount of appearances and she was like, I have no idea. Is that good or is that not good? Um, as you can imagine. But when you're looking into it, 
it's it's not even the fact that like Gareth Barry, don't get me wrong, Gareth Barry made a, a ridiculous number of appearances, didn't he? He's the all time, I think six hundred and fifty three appearances, I think he made all in all in the Premier League. Um yeah. and you sort of think that's that's mental. But towards the end, he was he was coming down and he was playing for maybe lower teams like so West Brom, the likes of Everton, we're gonna throw that in. Um, and he was playing for teams that maybe weren't as good and were maybe sitting mid-table and he was coming on. Milner is playing the top level of football. To make your 800th appearance against Inter Milan in the Champions League shows the absolute level that he is playing at. And for me, he's only really rivaled by Ryan Giggs in terms of like the, the amount of yeah, in terms of the amount of time he spent playing at a really high level of football. And it's not as if Milner's just coming on to kind of run the clock down at five minutes left. He's coming on to do a job. Um, yeah. And and all the boys always mention about the fact that each season they come back after summer uh, and have a little bit of time off. They have to do the bleep test, as always, as footballers have to do. And nobody ever beats Milner. He has kept yeah. himself unbelievably fit. And I said to my wife yesterday, and you can correct me if you think that I'm wrong, if, it, if he had more, slightly more talent he has the determination and the fitness level and the drive of, of of the likes of Messi and Ronaldo. It's only the fact that they have better natural ability than him. But his actual work rate and the amount of drive that he has to be better and better himself is is for me only rivaled by the, the greatest players of all time. Well, and I think I don't think what helps him, but what does help him, it's kind of contradictory, is his versatility. You know, he had a season at left back. We forget that as about three years ago, left back. Um but yeah, no, he's he's just unbelievable. I think he, he quit England at the right time, but he still made 50, 60 appearances for England. Um, but, he, he, you know, he was known as that kind of winger in the front three. Yeah. And then he, he come in centre midfield and he played out wide. But, excuse me, he plays everywhere for Liverpool at the moment. So, um, no, I think, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And also, let, let's not beat about the bush. The man has won everything. He's won absolutely everything. He's won every single cup that, that, that you can win. Yeah. He's not not won anything. The only thing he hasn't won is something in England, which no one has. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like that. And, and he, you know, at one stage he held the record for the youngest goal scorer in the Premier League. You know, I'm sure he'll probably be the oldest goal scorer in the Premier League. Um, he, he, let's, he was at Manchester City for five years. Now he's, he's in his seventh season at Liverpool. You know, it's not like he's come in and he's just a, like, he's a player that, like, do you know what? Well, he'll do a job. Although he does do a job. But he's played, and he, he's, he's a player that if you threw in against Norwich or Leeds, you're not like, oh, Milner's passed it, are you? Give Elliot a chance. You're like, okay, yeah, give him a game. And he'll, he'll get stuck. <laughs> he'll no doubt get a yellow card. But he'll just, <laughs> his attitude is just, as, as you say, second to none, and he's won everything. And uh, I definitely think he deserves another year because the type of the, the type of place he, he, he's got in the squad now is unique. I don't think there's another player that you can bring in that can do that. And um, maybe as Milner goes on, maybe Henderson comes into that role. Dare I say it? You know, he's only the same age as us, Danny, really, Henderson. But do you know what I'm trying to say? Maybe there's a place for Henderson in the Milner role when Milner does eventually leave. But I hope he stays. Um, credit to him, 800 club appearances. You know, if you, if you think of someone like Daniel Sturridge, he's probably, probably only made about 150 in his career. You know, <laughs> you, you, you put it into contact. And injuries, you know, he, he's very rarely gets injured. And when he does it, you know, he... What's the work? What can I say about him? If he's injured, he's never out for months or a time. He's out for a couple of weeks. And I think there's something inside him. He's got to be a bit crazy. He's got to want to be hurt. He's got to, you know, his body's got to be aching. He's got to enjoy that kind of pain as well. 
Um, and you know, we, we've discovered over the last couple of you know months, he's joined Instagram and Twitter, and he's a, he's a bit of a character, isn't he? So, uh, and we all well, I remember that the game where was at the beginning of the season or the end of last season where Klopp brought him off for I think was a Origi or something, and then Origi set up the goal and he scored, and he gave Klopp a big hug. That shows how much he wants to win for the team, but it also shows how much personal you know personal desire he's got to be in the team, and that's I think you've seen everything about James Miller in that clip last season. When uh, he went nuts to getting substituted, he's seen Liverpool score and he gave Klopp a hug. That just says everything you need to know about James Milner. Yeah, and that's what's going to hold him in, in good stead. That there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to go on to management and he's going to end up either at a club, whether it be under someone like Klopp and sort of learning that trade or whether it be that he decides to do like what Gerard has done and go off on his own and maybe bring in boys from his career that he can trust uh, and start off in that way. It's no doubt in my mind that he's going to do that. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been an amazing servant for Liverpool in what he's done. He loves the club. He loves what we do. Uh, I think you sort of have always had that rivalry. You've got the likes of Liverpool, Man City at the minute and obviously Milner played for City, won Premier League twice, FA Cup, Community Shield, uh, League Cup, all the rest of it. And you sort of think, could could a player from Man City come to Liverpool and it not be awkward? But I think Milner has shown that he's a above anything, he's a decent person and he's a footballing man. That's what he Danny, is, as opposed to being a team. He was free. He was free. We didn't pay off of him. Exactly. And <laughs> like so it showed and what? he was but he's been happy no matter where he's gone. And as you said, we cannot pay any money for him, bring him in, and you think to yourself, oh, he's going to be a bit of a bit par player. But he has come in and he has worked so hard for the club because he wants the team to win. And he and he cares about the club. And that's the thing. I never thought we were going to get that out of Milner. I thought he was coming to us to ride out his career. But for me, he has, he has took on what Liverpool is as a city and as a club. He's took on the ethos of it and he's played with that passion. Um, the only thing I hate about this conversation is the fact that we're talking about the fella as if he's like some old man walking around and he's like he's less than a year older than me. So this this conversation makes me feel horribly old. Uh, and that's what football does to you because everyone's dead once they hit about 38 years old. Um, but yeah, <laughs> apart from that, he's done well. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, hail James Milner. Hey, there you go. <laughs> but... As we said, hopefully what we're looking at here is, I think we will see a lot of changes in these two games that are coming up, but hopefully what we'll see is two more wins. And we said this last week, we said when we come back in this next pod, hopefully we're going to see two wins, we're going to see us closer to the European Cup, uh, better in the, doing better in Champions League, uh, and on our way to winning um, another cup competition. And we're going to be talking about that next week as we look towards the cup final. But hopefully by that time, we'll see us gaining ground on City, getting six more points under the belt and we'll have a lot to be able to talk about next week as we come to play Chelsea uh, in that cup final so until then I hope that you have all enjoyed listening and I hope it's been interesting for you we'll see you next week on Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network Podcast Network.